Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Rodney E., the host of the Garbage Time Basketball Podcast here. Just a quick PSA before we start the episode. We're going to do a couple of little different things on the episode here. The Oracle is bringing us his book review of... Scotty Pippen's Unguarded. We'll actually need to do a part two, possibly a part three of that segment, being that we didn't get all the way through it on this one. Plus, we've got the commish segment coming up in this one, the debut, I guess, after the little teaser last week from the Oracle. So let's get stuck into it. And here we go. Everybody to the Garbage Time Basketball Podcast back again. I am Rodney E, the pod god, the point god of the podcast here. I've got the the full band here. Matt, the most aggressive podcaster in the game. How you going, man? Good, mates. Pretty good. On a high at the moment uh, as Australia won the Asia Cup, FIBA Asia Cup last night. That was great. Yeah, you, you, uh, you little ripper, you beauty. Yeah, really win. huge, strong performance. We'll get into it a bit later, but yeah, what a performance. Good on him. And uh, of course, on the other side there, the Oracle, Frank. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. How you doing? How you doing, Matt? Well, as the Oracle, I want you to foresee how, how <laughs> you think I'm, what do you think I'm going to say? should already know the answer to that question. <laughs> as the Oracle, you should know already. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just rubbing my balls right now. Yeah, <laughs> yep, you're good. <laughs> The crystal balls. All right. Well, yeah. Let's um, let's get straight into the opening tip. For a minute about the Boomers winning against Lebanon last night. Got out to a pretty fast start, as usual, as they've done throughout the Asia Cup. There, throughout the tournament, they've good at putting their foot on the gas straight away and making some shots early. Matt, did you catch much of the uh, the final last night? Yeah, I watched it, mate. I watched all every Australia game in the Asia Cup there, and it was you're right. They put their foot down fast, and I thought, well, this is they got out to a I don't know, it was almost a twenty point lead in the second quarter there, and I thought this is over. But uh, yeah, yeah. But Lebanon, look, the only loss Lebanon had in the whole tournament was against Australia in the final. They had an outstanding tournament, and if you were Lebanon, you would be holding your head up high because they played fantastic for the whole tournament. They took down China. Yes. In a, in a great – that was a, f- a fantastic match. Uh, that match there came right down to the wire and they, they played fantastic throughout the whole tournament. Was it them versus Chinese – or Taiwan, they call them Chinese Taipei, but against uh, – was it Lebanon against that team as well, the one on the buzzer? I think it was, yeah. Was yeah, that Lebanon, Lebanon – yeah, it was like a half-court shot, wasn't it, or something yeah. almost. Yeah, one on the buzzer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was – yeah. I can't remember who that was against, but, yeah. I, I'd suggest if you go to the FIBA page on YouTube or, or even on their website, they they did do, like, a daily top ten. Yep. And some of the players were just fantastic, man. And it was it was really refreshing. It was a joy to watch this tournament because it really is basketball at its purest. It's team basketball. Uh, of course, there are standout players. Thon Maker, of course, the MVP of the, of the final and made the All-Star 5 – 
along with Mitch McCarron. Yeah, outstanding. But you get your standout players, but it really is a team game, and it was really great to see. Uh, the the, the Australia New Zealand game was also like tight until until the last quarter. Then we sort of uh, broke away and uh, smashed those Kiwi assholes, and then yeah. uh, we went Sheep through. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, uh, we talked about the final before. Yeah, uh, Lebanon came roaring back in the final quarter, and it really was a tense last couple of minutes there. Yeah, I mean, they were about 10 up, the Aussies, but you could feel Lebanon like they're like, we're not giving in. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna give this a shake in the last like ninety six seconds, and they came storming back. We found them on the three point line. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty ba- pretty silly uh, play there. But uh, they played together. To they were competitive, close. mate. They did uh, all the ba- all the sort of the fundamentals yeah. well. And uh, Haidar, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name. Yeah, uh, correctly. Haidar for Lebanon was fantastic. Like the the, the Lebanese Charles Barkley. He's uh, was built like a forty-four gallon drum. He's about he's only about six foot four, but he was doing his work inside. And really, uh, I mean, Thon Maker played fantastic and was blocking everything. But Haidar yeah, was really making him work. The commentators got excited every time they saw Thon streaking down the floor. He was uh, particularly strong finishing at the baskets. Thon, yeah, he was. He was yeah. smashing them down. He was had a couple of good dunks. Yeah, so this is back to back titles for Australia now in the in the Asia Cup, and I'm not sure what this means. For I thought it meant that you got an automatic into the into the World qualif- Cup qualification. Yeah, but I don't think it means that. I'm not I'm not exactly sure what this means for World Cup qualification by looking at the Australia, the well balanced Australian team. I don't know if you saw any Frank, saw any of this Frank, the well balanced uh, team that they had. Most of these blokes are going to get a look in for the for when it's World Cup time from one to ten. They all played their role, and uh, it was really great to see, especially Mitch McCarron, who had a pretty bad NBL season, it should be said, pretty disappointing, and the Adelaide 36ers were mega disappointing in the last season. For him to come back and play like he did was fantastic to see. Thon Maker, of course, was dominant. There was a, you know, Sam Tyrese, Rowling, Tyrese Sam Proctor. Rowling. Uh, was it William McDowell White also played really well, but uh, yeah, it was a yeah. Reese Vague who hasn't Vague. played in Australia since I think about 2016 or 17 or something. He's been playing in China, I know China and Japan and stuff like that. Is the Australian Matt Bonner was just setting screens and hitting threes, and that's it. He's got the thinning red hair, doesn't he? Yeah, the wispy yeah. red hair. Three point shots. I don't think he shot a three, a, a two pointer for the whole tournament. It just lights out from three and setting screens, and it was great to see, man. And Thon Maker get him in the NBL. If he doesn't get in, the, he should be in the NBA. But I think we said this in the last episode. He should be fucking in the NBA. But if he doesn't, someone get him in the NBL immediately because that's going to be you know must see TV. That's it. Well, he, he's playing in G League at the moment. He's got he's got everything. He's got everything. He can play defense. He can run. He's he can got inside game. He's got outside game. I think he fell out of favor in Detroit. Maybe I don't know. He fell. Out, I don't know what the deal was there. But he deserves another go, man. I think the G League is a bit of a grind, man. It's not it's not generally where players stick for a long time. If he's not getting an NBA contract, he should be looking at other leagues to play in for sure. Just because you're in the G League doesn't guarantee you a, a shot at the NBA. So if he's not making the NBA for some reason, yeah, I'd love to see him in the NBL or even just in another league that he can potentially dominate. Why not come back to the NBL, man? Why not come back? The NBL and- is, a, is a great... Uh, situation for for players now. It's improving every year, actually. It's the best it's ever been right now, man. It's the best it's ever been. And to come back, it will be a real test of his uh, abilities. And if you do well, man, what an achievement. He could really dominate. I think, yeah, everyone would love to see that guy playing in the NBL. Yeah, did you see much of the FIBA Cup, Frank? Like, it was, if, if you didn't see it, 
highly recommend going and looking at, you know, at least the best highlights from the tournament and even some of the games. Just the final minutes even of some of the games were incredibly... Yeah, some nice highlights, some great passes, some great dunks and... Uh... Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've, uh, I've checked a fair few of the highlights of that and, you know, they look really good. But I totally agree with you guys that, uh, you know, this is a tournament where the players who normally don't get into the rotation or that many minutes, they can show their shit. Sort of like, well, not like the Summer League. Obviously, it's going to be a, a lot better. But, uh, you know, this is where you can really put your foot down and say, you know, pick me. I want to fucking play for the Boomers. Yeah. And what, what, yeah, you're right, Frank. And what is especially good about it is that Australia picked an especially young team, except for McCarran, I think, you know, and maybe yes. Thon Makers, maybe a bit in his late 20s, is he? I'm not sure how old he is, 26 or 7, is he? I don't know. But uh, for the most part, the team was really young. That's great news to get that, uh, for them to play well. It's great, it, it's great uh, for the future of the Boomers. Yeah. And Mike Kelly coaching in there yeah. in the gorge at the moment too did did a good job, you know. He, he did he, do a good job, didn't he's he? A solid it's, coach, especially after he did an especially poor job with the Cairns Taipans when he was a head coach the last time. I think he was an assistant yeah. coach for the Kings, I think, in the last season. But before that, he was the head coach of the Cairns Taipans, and they had a, a particularly poor season uh, under him. They so, did, but in in saying that, I don't think it was his coaching that necessarily. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know that. I think that season in particular, that there was a whole bunch of things. But uh, he had a whole bunch of weapons at his disposal that uh, didn't get a look or didn't weren't getting minutes. Rotations were all fucked and stuff. I don't know. You know, you never know what goes on behind the scenes. But I think he was still coming into his own as 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 a coach. You know, I reckon. I think yeah. he started that season quite quite poorly. But by the end of it, he'd sort of redeemed himself and and uh, obviously learned from errors along the way, I guess. Well, yeah, um, yeah. and But did a good job with the Boomers, absolutely. He did, especially yeah. with a really young team. Well, we talked about Tyrese Proctor, but Sam Froling and Keanu Pinder, who had a redemption season really in the last NBL season. Yeah. Was it, this was a big test for Pinder, and he stepped up, yeah. played really well. They were great. Boomers were great. Can't wait to see him in – well, World Cup qualification is next now. That's right. Uh, World Cup is September, I think. FIBA yeah, World yeah. Uh, just uh, particularly disappointing to people in Iran and China would be ropeable right now. That's the first time that I can remember that Iran and China have not been in the finals of the Asia Cup, like in the in the semifinals or the finals, like uh, the quarterfinal. I don't think they're even in the quarterfinals, and they they are power normal normal powerhouses in Asia. So what's going on there? Don't know. Don't know. Not sure. Other countries just getting better. Yeah. Anyway, that's enough FIBA talk. Let's get to talking about a book. Scotty Pippen. All right. What book is this? Unguarded. And look at Scotty Pippen with the wingspan and the long arm. And it's a book. It's a basketball book about Scotty Pippen. Now, Frank, this has been a while coming, mate, but you've read the book. <laughs> yeah, I finally got around to it and read it all. And uh... What's it called? What's the book called? Oh, fuck. I haven't even got it in front of me. <laughs> It'd be good to know what the book is called, Frank. I think it's called Unguarded. Didn't look at the title. (laughs) (laughs) No, you don't worry about that. Uh, Unguarded, okay, yeah. Yeah, all right. See what they're doing there, yeah. Yeah, it is called Unguarded. Unguarded, yeah. Yeah. Also by Scotty Pippen or? Well, you you know, he... It's it's on him, but he, you know, he had help with writing it up and whatnot. Yeah, obviously, yeah. 
But he wrote it. Yeah, so it's a lot of it is in his words um, because I don't think if it was anyone else writing it, they probably wouldn't have said this and said that about some of the things he wrote about. But yeah, love an audio book. Is there an audio book version of this? Uh, Pippin reading that fucking sounds like a fucking an earthquake. Yeah. His voice fucking is so deep, man. Yeah. That'd be a pretty good audio book. Well, it'd probably be the first audio book that you'd need subtitles to. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> audio subtitles. Yeah, that's not going to work. Like an interpreter, like another person, he says it and then another person says it. Yeah, it has to be said again by someone without a baritone. So what, what does it cover, Frank? Does it cover from his childhood or is it just uh, focus on his professional basketball career or? Yeah, does it have a lot of personal, scope? personal so, stuff about? I mean, it starts off in the, in the pro league, it starts off, he he doesn't uh, waste time and he, and he starts talking about the last dance. He gets on to that straight, straight away. He's in that, he mentioned like he's, he's really pissed at Jordan that he didn't acknowledge himself and plays enough in that, in, in, in that uh, Netflix documentary. Um, that it was there to glorify Jordan's career. And so he, apparently he said that Jordan, he had the editorial control, so the producers gave him the editorial control of the final product. So, yeah. yeah he's, all that's, he's, I mean, all that's a fair cop, though. I mean, what he did, I mean, there's not a lie in what he just said then. No, I don't think so either. I think what he's sort of suggesting is that Jordan cut shit out, that Pippen probably wanted in there. He also felt that nothing more than he was a prop being called the best teammate of all time. And he claimed that Jordan got $10 million for the last dance while himself and his teammates got nothing. So, you know, in his words, bottom line was the documentary failed to give my Hall of Fame career the treatment that it deserves. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean I, again, man, it. that's probably a fair cop, right? I mean, I, I don't hear any lies yet. I don't hear anything outlandish no? <laughs> yet. No, no. no. I mean, if, if uh, you know, if, if you've seen, I'm guessing most people would have seen The Last Dance by now, that um, that was very Jordan-heavy. It was, of course. It was all about, mostly about Michael Jordan and his his view of things. It was all through the scope of, you know, how he perceived things. Yeah. Really? Um, not, yeah. Not, not, not also- anyone else. That goes to actually one of my questions, Frank, is does Pippen indicate in the book how close he and Jordan were off the court? Like, were they ever really friends or? Yeah, so during his career, they were good on court and they were friends, but they weren't close and they never have been. Jordan brought him some golf clubs at one stage to um, go and play golf. But um, because, you know, Jordan loves golf, as we know. At that time, Pippen was having problems with his back and he had problems with his back early on in his career and his doctor recommended him not to go and play golf. Ah, right. So he wouldn't go play golf. With MJ, so MJ went, ah, oh, fuck this guy. I don't know. But, but also, Pippen felt like with his upbringing, he was never part of that popular group and he never wanted to be. So Jordan was hanging out with rock stars and whatever and he, he just- Yeah, the A-list. He, he didn't feel like part of that group, part of Jordan's group. He, he was more sort of- One of the other guys. One of the other guys, yeah. Not one of his uh, gambling buddies. No, no. Or golf he, mates, uh, yeah. His his upbringing, like he he was brought up in a really small town, a couple of thousand people. He was one of twelve kids. Yeah, I know he had a big family. Yep. Yeah. So his parents, they worked. You know, they were hard workers. They they weren't rich. Blue collar guys. Blue collar people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, early on, his brother was in a fight of some stage. 
in high school and his brother never talked about it, but he's, uh, he ended up in a wheelchair and they had to look after him 24-7. I believe that is in The Last Dance. Did they do briefly touch on that? I think yeah. They did refer to that. But also, his father later on had a stroke as well and he got confined to a, a wheelchair. So that was two family members who they had to look after 24-7. Yeah, he had that on his mind, I think, a lot in his early career, right? So Yeah, yeah. You can so, see how you can see how that situation motivated some of his decisions that he ended up making. Yeah, yeah. Um definitely with his extension that which I'll go in a little bit more detail. I just wanted to ask one of my other questions that sort of goes to this, Frank, is is who were Pippin's friends? Like who was he well liked by? There's a guy called Ronnie. In high in high school and primary school, he hanged he hanged around with. Um, so he never really went out of that sort of. Uh, he was a bit of an introvert, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, him and uh, him and Horace Grant, they got drafted in the same year. They become really good friends, close friends, start off with because they had the very same upbringing and they related to each other. Being rookies, being that background, they become really good friends. They hung with each other. They helped each other out. They were on the phone to each other constantly. Um, even with Scotty's first wedding, he was Horace was his best man, and Scotty was Horace's best man. And so they were pretty close. They were they were fairly close in the first three four years. At that stage, yeah, in the early uh, early. Years. Yeah, then uh, Scotty in high school was taught defense a lot. A lot of drills about defense, and that's where his defensive skills started. All started from, and he never really got looked at. By the end of high school, he's only six foot one, very very skinny. He didn't have the natural talent that you know a lot of the players do have. And, and he plus went, he was a and plus he was a defender, so he wasn't that probably wasn't standing out much to to scouts. You know, people who were looking to draft players. Yeah, and he was never really given the opportunity to. And even now, you know, when he went to college, that was never a scholarship or anything like that. Um, that was a different type of scholarship where he had to work and study. He got looked at and then through opportunity, he just slowly worked his way up through the ranks for this team. When he was drafted, was he a senior in college by that time? Yeah, yeah. So he, he did his four years in college and by the last season, um, he averaged nearly 24 points, 10 rebounds, four assists. He shot nearly 60% from the field goal. Is that when um, he grew? Is that when he when did he sort of grow as well? Was that the, well, obviously during his college uh, time, probably? Yeah. So <laughs> even at college, he started off as, as uh, six foot one, and by his senior year, he was six foot seven. So he, he kept growing in college. So that's where some of his point guard skills came across because he started off as a point guard. Yeah, right. Makes sense, but yeah, in his last year as a senior, he um he was averaging those stats and uh, he was drawing a lot of attention from the NBA scouts. And where where did he ended up? Where did he get drafted? Was it second round that he was drafted, or no? He was he was first round pick five by Seattle. Oh, okay, that's right. Yep, yep. And then he was traded for Alden Polynice. <laughs> Alden Polynice, yeah, the old uh, played, played for the Clippers most of his career, if I remember correctly. A big bald head. Service, serviceable career, serviceable center, yeah, yeah, but not really, uh, not really a pick five top five, not, but not uh, equal to not equal to Scotty's career though. No, <laughs> well, in hindsight, yeah, of course, yeah, nowhere near it. So he gets drafted um, and then traded immediately on, for, on draft day for Olden Polynes, yeah, and uh, yeah. So what, what that? Uh, yeah, I've got another. What's the other question I had? 
Uh, fuck would we know what question you have? No, I'm just thinking. Who are you asking? You asking me, cunt? Because I don't know. Shut up, cunt. Shut up. But he's, uh, his first rookie deal, it was, oh, his first deal was $5 million over six years, to which he, he bought a new house for his parents straight away because they lived in a really tiny house and uh, they needed the upgrade, obviously. When did it become apparent that Scotty was like an all-star level, superstar level player in the NBA? He came off the bench. Um, I can't remember who was starting small forward. In his first year, he was having problems with his back. He got told that it was back spasms and because he was, he, apparently he injured his back doing weights. The Bulls trainer someone said, oh, don't worry about it, it's just back, back spasms, but he felt <laughs> back it was then, something else. Back then they just would, would have went, toughen up, skinny boy. You need yeah. to put some meat on. He ended up getting a second opinion and found out he got a he had a herni- herniated disc. So in his rookie season, he, he felt that he was only 70% most of the season, sometimes yeah. less, so he couldn't give... So- so that contributed to him having a bit of a slow start in his career. He was already dealing with injury right at the beginning through bad guidance, through the Bulls trading staff there. Yeah, yeah. and Not really looking after him. At the same time, they had the coach there was Doug Collins. For all reports, he's a very smart guy, knows his basketball, but he wasn't a great coach. He lacked a lot of people skills. And from all reports, he loved Jordan just way too much. He gave oh, him yeah. way too much control and just let him do his thing, let him take as many shots as he wanted to. So He would have had I mean, Jordan's kids. Doug Collins loved Jordan that much. It, yeah. It was, it, was, it was very obvious. But, I mean, obvious, you saw Jordan's stats in the late 80s. He was averaging, you know, 35. Nah, it was ridiculous. He was, it was, yeah. Taking as many shots as he wanted in the game. Yeah, yeah. So even back then, Tex Winter was an assistant coach, and, you know, he's famous for his triangle offense. He told Doug that Jordan was having way too much of the ball, uh, but Doug didn't want to listen. He's, like, in love with Jordan too much. Just let Jordan do his thing and try we'll win some games. So this also would have got under Pippen's skin because he would have felt like, you know, I need a bit of an opportunity here and Jordan's getting all the ball. I mean, I mean, he should have got a lot more playing time, but, um, so but it took, he... It took him a while, but when did, when did it happen for him? When did he put it together and crack the starting lineup and start kicking ass? Well, that was between his second and third year. He was starting to come into his own. He was bulking up a bit. By this time, Doug Collins was sort of starting to get on the outer because Jerry Krause he wanted to win more games. He felt like, um, you know, the yeah, Bulls they had... winning. Jordan was kicking everyone's ass, but the team wasn't winning. He was getting them to some wins. But, yeah, they were, uh, they were getting bounced out of the playoffs pretty early. And in one of the games, Doug got... Ejected for, I don't, I don't know what, but um, yeah, he got ejected. In the meantime, Phil Jackson was one of the assistant coaches and he was starting, he was starting to really impress Jerry Krause with the amount of work he was he was doing for the team, the notes, the research. Uh, yeah, so he was starting to shine for Jerry Krause. And in that game, Doug got ejected, Phil took over. And okay. this against Milwaukee Bucks. And in that second half, the Bulls outscored Milwaukee 66 to 38. And that was using the triangle and... Well, it doesn't it doesn't specify that they used the triangle back then, but... Um, Probably was, that's what happened. Just a different, you know, coaching philosophy and, and yeah, so, you know, it yeah, showed not, that... Not, basically field. not allowing Jordan to do whatever he wants. Play the team game. Yeah, yeah. So, in the meantime... They wanted to trade shit up. They saw that in the center position, they uh, were getting their asses kicked. So Charles Oakley was traded for Bill Cartwright, and that would that would people would love that because Charles used to 
slap him around all the time. Well, I've I've actually started reading his book, and the way Pippin loved Oakley, Pippin. The way Pippin spoke about Oakley was that Oakley had your ass all the time. He um he he was that ultimate teammate where he was just he was there for you on and off the court as well. But um yes, he gave Pippin. You would have seen the footage of Oakley giving Pippin shit in his rookie, <laughs> but you know that's just uh you know that's just rookies. Among this cast of characters are men like forward Charles Oakley, the team's ever-present jovial enforcer. <laughs> He's a rookie here. We gotta get a feedback back to today. He gets treatment like this. We'll tweet next year this time. All right? All right? Yeah, okay. All rookies, no matter how rich in talent, have to earn the respect of the veterans. It still makes me laugh, that footage. (laughs) But, Um, uh, yeah, but it wasn't like, he wasn't a bully. He was more like a father figure at that point. Yeah. Or yeah, big brother, yeah. big brother to him, and he was an enforcer on the court, and you know no one could get around his screens, and he just beat people up. Yeah, and uh, and yeah. loved him. Yeah, so but they traded him. They traded him. Horace Grant was ready to take over as power forward. He was coming into his own. Was that um, for Cartwright? Did they trade Oakley for Cartwright early on? Uh, Cartwright and MJ didn't say eye to eye. Bill Cartwright used to call MJ a motherfucker. Um, because <laughs> yeah, Bill can keep up with the speed of the team, and MJ didn't want. Cartwright to have the ball, but yeah, it just uh, it's so uh, dysfunctional. The Chicago Bulls from back then. The inside story does anyway. Um, How different all the guys were. Yeah. So Jordan didn't want Cartwright to have the ball. This caused a lot of tension. Yeah. Yeah. And this is when yeah, Doug Collins eventually got sacked, and he gets you know, the ass and get Phil in, right? They got Phil in. Tex said to Phil, "Let's let's do this uh, triangle offense." And Phil was all over it. He said, "Yep, let's do this." In the meantime, Horace Grant was getting pissed. He wasn't earning a lot, and that was getting to him. By this time, Pippen was starting to come into his own, and he felt that Jordan and Pippen were getting better treatment because they were becoming the superstars of the team. At 24 years old, Horace Grant was becoming one of the better power forwards in the game, and he was only earning 320 grand a year. So, in April 1990, he asked for a trade. Got knocked back. Right. <coughs> nah, you're staying. Yeah. But I just want to say throughout the whole book, Pippin, the way Pippin talks about Jordan, there's just there's a lot of respect for him. Um, it's only the thing from The Last Dance that he just loses it for Jordan. All the way throughout the book, like you can tell Pippin's in awe of Jordan's talents. So I just want to get that on the record. Yeah, fair enough. He's He wants it known that he respects Jordan the player, obviously, because uh, of how good he was. But perhaps there's some bad blood there because of how foc- Jordan focused the Last Dance was. I mean, yeah. I can see that. Pippin was, a, was referred to as a second fiddle the whole time. He was never really given – he wasn't given a whole lot of time to shine, I don't think. And, and I mean, what about Luke Longley? He wasn't <laughs> – He wasn't even on it. Or pretty much absent. Yeah. He was He was a big part of their um, second bunch of championships. Let's quickly jump into the commish. He's the commissioner. He's a tough yet compassionate boss with an unorthodox style of bending the rules. One man takes it day to day with offbeat humor and street smart skill. So we t- we talked about last episode what I would do to change the league. So I'm just going to quickly throw in um, th- there's a segment they bring in the NBA games. All the fucking DJs and I don't know why they do it, but they tell the stupid thing. Everybody clap your hands. Yeah, I and hate he- that. That's done. Yeah. No more. No more at a fucking game. That's fucking done. That's a fucking shittiest, shittiest fucking thing I've ever heard. I hate it too. Fuck it off. 
So that's that's fucking done. Fucking stupid DJ cunt dick. And one more quick one is headbands. If you don't have an afro, you don't you're not wearing a fucking headband. What you gonna ban the headband? If you have an afro, so that's fine. But like Clay, <laughs> Clay Thompson wearing this little fucking headband for his little bunch of hair, no. <laughs> Fuck off. You have to have a certain amount of hair to be allowed. <laughs> a headband. Licensed to have the headband. Yep. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's that's a controversial <laughs> one, Frank. Well, not even it... bald people, like you know, they can't have a. Why the fuck they wearing headbands for? Well, because the sweat, the hair will, will, will you goes know, in their eyes. Sweat. Goes yeah, in the sweat eyes. will go in your eyes if you've got no hair, and especially it'll just eyes. flow down your face. What if you go no. out for a dunk and then his eyes start stinging? You go, ah, oh, fuck! And you just not, fucking miss. But the not whole... every bald cunt wears a fucking headband because of that problem. What about when Jokic wore a headband, a red headband? That was hilarious. All anyone could talk about was his headband, <laughs> and he didn't, never wore it again for that very reason. <laughs> because because he doesn't have afro. Yep. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm already liking this segment. <laughs> Fucking funny. No headbands unless you get unless unless you can make it look like a microphone on your head. I want a big fucking afro. That's what I want. <laughs> All right. Dr. Well, Dr. look. Um, they're great suggestions, Frank. Uh, get at us on social media: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever the fuck we are at G. Basketball pod. Tell us what you think of those uh, those commission changes there, of uh, the suggestions by the Oracle. Uh, unfortunately, we have to cut it right there. That's it for us for the Garbage Time Guys for another week. We'll be back soon with some more Hero and Zero, more on the book, and all sorts of crazy stuff. Guys, thanks again for coming along. No worries, mate. It's been a pleasure as, as always. And, uh, yeah, Frank, we'll, uh, we'll keep talking to you about the book in the next episode, Frank. It sounds like you've got very detailed information there. Oh, lots of detail. See you later, everyone. See ya. I was getting into it so much, Frank, that I was like, I, I didn't even glance at the time. Then I looked at it, it was like 11.37. Yeah, I was the exact same. <laughs> Fuck. No concept of time. Yeah, it flies by, man, when you're rapping on and stuff like that, you know.